The following program is sponsored by Bell & Pollock PC. Welcome to Champions of the People, the Bell and Pollock Injury Show. Attorneys Gary Bell and Brad Pollock are ready to work for you. Reach Gary, Brad, and their team at championsofthepeople.com or by calling 303-795-5900. That's 303-795-5900. Good morning, Colorado. Here we go. Y'all ready for this? The Bell and Pollock Legal Show. It's the Champions of the People Injury Show. Our website, championsofthepeople.com. For a reason. You are the reason. We champion people's causes, claims, injury claims. We've been injury, we are injury attorneys. We have over 30 years of experience, and we can put all that experience to work for you. Our telephone number, 303-795-5900. That's 795-5900. You know, we do this show and all of our injury shows. There are other shows that air in the Denver metro area and in the mountain towns so that you have the information that you need. Information is empowering. We want you to know what the rules are. We want you to have a legal game plan. We want you to understand the strategies of the insurance companies to try to beat your injury claim. And don't think they don't try to do that every time, early and often. What do you have? You know, you can go to our website, championsofthepeople.com. We have six books written. There's a couple more in the works right now. Our most recent book was The Definitive Guideline in Colorado on Colorado Car Insurance. It's an easy-to-read book. We designed it that way. Guess what? We made the narrative easy, not in legalese, but English. And we gave picture examples of insurance policies with arrows pointing to the most important parts of the policy with explanations. And we gave sample declaration sheets that mean your, your coverages. What kind of coverages do you have? With arrows in the book and on the pages pointing to the most important parts with suggestions on what to do. And I've said many times, I'll say it again, if you want my own personal declaration sheet for my own car insurance, I'll give it to you. Why do we do these things? Because you have to have the information. You've got to be prepared. You've got to know what you're doing. You can't just guess. You can't just hope. You can't just wonder. Right? You must know the rules and implement the rules and have a strategy. We wrote a book called Legal Game Plan. Trademark protected that. Brad and I put our over 30 years of experience into that book, and you can get it free on our website, championsofthepeople.com. Or you can call our law firm at 303 795 5900-795-5900, and we'll send you a hard copy free. It doesn't get much better than that. Okay, today we're talking about premises liability. We did a previous show on premises liability. What is premises liability? That's when you're injured on somebody else's land, somebody else's property. It, it most uh, commonly occurs when maybe you're in a grocery store and you're injured. Maybe you're in a big box store, you're injured. Maybe you're in a parking lot, you're injured. Maybe you're uh, in a hospital, you're injured. And today we've got a special twist on the premises liability situation because we're going to be talking about injuries to children and we're going to be talking about the doctrine are you ready the doctrine of attractive nuisance that's what it's called those are the legal words so brad's going to explain to you the doctrine of attract attractive nuisance as it applies to injuries to children well it, when we're talking about injuries to children we're talking about a special classification the law has always considered children or you know minors to have a different mindset than adults and when we start thinking about it, you think about the different ways we even handle our criminal law. We, we handle our criminal law with respect to minors uh, different than we do adults. 
Um, there's been a number of cases that have come out and a number of times that treatises come out in the law that have stated that children under the age of 19, children under the age of 20, 21, or persons under that age, their mind is not fully developed. I know that's kind of odd for some of you listening to it, and maybe some of those people who are listening that are 19 or 20 are offended by this, but the law has always had special classifications when we start talking about people that we call minors and what classification or age do we put them in. Um, obviously, uh, when we say the age of majority hits their age of 18 or 19, uh, then they'll talk about when they're sentencing people or when they're dealing with criminal law, maybe that age should be, uh, should be placed higher. But we do the same thing with regard to children entering onto property. And we start talking about what is the situation with regard to children. And what we talk about is when we start talking about uh, children under the age of 14, under the age of 14, we call, uh, we, 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 we discern that those children cannot fit into the classifications that we talked about last week. And as a brief refresher, we talked about last week of classifications. You're an invitee, you're a licensee, or you're a trespasser. And depending on what classification you are, depends on what kind of duty the landowner, and we talked last week what landowner is, and we'll probably refresh your memory on that too a little bit, but the landowner has to you. Because if you're a trespasser, the landowner basically doesn't owe you hardly any duty at all. If you're an invitee, the landowner owes you the highest duty, which is a duty less than what common law was, but it's still a highest duty. So we start talking about children, it's a different classification. And that, that's why we do it, because we say their minds haven't developed, their reasoning, their instinct, their abilities to comprehend, everything about them has not developed enough that they can necessarily understand the dangers or they even they even know that they're a trespasser at, at age 13 or 12 a person entering onto somebody else's property uh, as a result of something that's in, enticed them onto the property that would be a normal enticement for a child uh, that child may not realize they're a trespasser. They're just going on to play with the ob- object. You know, this whole area of law has gone undergone a big transformation uh, over the years, and uh, it's changed the common law. And as you know, we've talked about the common law. Co- we inherited our law from England. That's called the common law. The common law were the case decisions, right, that courts made o- over the years with regard to various situations. A situation would come up. It would go before the Court of Appeals. The Court of Appeals would decide and create law. So you've got statutory law, which we're uh, n- not talking about at this moment. It does apply, but we're talking. We have the common law, which are court decisions. So the common law always said that there was a negligent standard, meaning you could maintain a claim for injuries if somebody was negligent on their land and injured you. That changed in Colorado. That, that in the era of tort reform, when all these insurance companies were lobbying the legislatures and and doing all this propaganda in the air, uh, on the airwaves, and, and so that changed, and it changed the common law. So what do we got in Colorado? We have a new statute, right? And the, the seminal case used to be called Mile High versus Radovich, which was the negligent standard to which we just referred. Now, when the common law got changed by statute, it abrogated, meaning wiped out, abolished, all the common law on the uh, subject of premises liability, except for one area. So all the common law change, it now goes under the statute. We discussed that in a previous show. It, it applies to activities on land, dangerous conditions on land, and you better have an attorney that knows what they're doing when you get on this. You can call us anytime at 303-795-5900. That's 795-5900. We'll be glad to discuss your case. We give you a free initial consultation, right? And 
a free legal game plan. Now, the one area that was carved out of the statute that was left in the common law was the attractive nuisance doctrine. So let's hit this a little bit harder, Brad, attractive nuisance. You've got a condition on the land, uh, something, and we'll talk, well, let's just use Halloween as an example. You've got a condition on the land. It is alluring to children. It attracts children. So all your duties are changed now. All your duties are heightened. Right. That condition can be either handmade or man-made, I'm sorry, man-made or natural. And when you're talking about a man-made condition, you, you have an even greater duty versus a natural condition. But you have to think about your home. And as you're sitting there thinking about your home, you have to think about, first of all, how is the home set up? Uh, that pond you put in the front yard, that's probably a man-made attractive nuisance. Uh, if you have anything sitting out in the yard that, that could attract the children, that could be a man-made attractive nuisance. Uh, that fancy car or that neat car that's uh, kind of a relic that you've got sitting there that you're working on that a child could climb into and get trapped inside the trunk or get, get trapped inside the car. And then the next thing you know, there's a search for the child and they find the child in your car later on. That's a man-made attractive nuisance. These are nuisances that, that you've got that are going to attract children. Uh, the, for, the, for builders, as you're, as you're going through Halloween and you know kids are going to go cross path uh, that empty lot that you're building a new home on uh, for Halloween, you've, that's a man-made attractive nuisance. Everyone knows, or I think everyone knows, that children, for some reason, are attracted to excavation. They're attracted to holes in the ground. They're attracted to the, to the, to the, 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 the basement as it's being built. They're attracted to going into an empty house when it's there open and then it's just being built into the framing or they're at the framing or they're just putting the roof on. Uh, roofers who are doing things around the neighborhood, those could be man-made attractive nuisances. Halloween, you double it. You double it because you've got that pond in your yard, and now you're also creating an attractive nuisance where you've got the children looking at all the different things you put in the in the yard, all the things you put around your porch, all the different things you've done to to cause the children to come up and look at it, maybe be scared by it, maybe run away from it, and run away from it. Where are they going to run? Hopefully not into your pond where they're going to get hurt, and you've got all these attractive nuisances that are sitting around your house. Uh, that you've got to watch for. And believe me, Gary, this starts now, starts at Halloween, and as you get into the Christmas decorations, as you get into what you're putting on the front yard, you've just got to remember that when you're doing this, you've got to put it together with safety in mind, thinking not about adults, but thinking about children. Right. And, uh, you know, Halloween is just one example. Uh, There are many examples of attractive nuisances. Attractive nuisances is a subset, right? It is a subcategory of the doctrine of premises liability. The doctrine of premises liability says that landowners, there's there's a special definition of landowners. Landowners are responsible and liable to pay for somebody's injuries, damages, and losses if somebody's on their land and they have the right classification. And Brad went over the classifications with, with you, invitee, uh, licensee, or trespasser. Those are all words of art, legal words of art. They have meaning. But the attractive nuisance document doctrine applies to children and there's presumptions and there's certain rules that you have to understand and, and, and know about halloween's a big one because don't you think when you put something in your front yard you're going to allure and attract children don't you sometimes want to allure and attract children so the rules are very important you listen to bell and pollock gary bell brad pollock we have offices in denver and steamboat springs we've done injury cases 
all over the state of Colorado. Next up, we're going to be talking about the doctrine of attractive nuisance, injuries to children, and recovery. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Gary Bell of the law firm of Bell and Pollock. We are injury attorneys. This is your legal minute. Today, we're talking about MedPay. What is MedPay, by the way? MedPay is on your own car insurance policy. It's there to pay your medical bills in case you're injured in a car crash, a collision. It's there to pay your medical bills, your reasonable and necessary medical bills, and they pay your medical bills regardless of fault. Therefore, you want your MedPay as high as you can afford. Buy the highest limits you can get. We say this all the time. And by the way, if the accident is not your fault and you recover money from the at-fault party, then you don't have to pay the med pay back. That's how important this is. Gary Bell, Bell and Pollock, champions of the people. Give us a call. We'll help you. Bell and Pollock. Find them online at championsofthepeople.com. We're back with Champions of the People, the Bell and Pollock Injury Show. For over three decades, the personal injury attorneys at Bell and Pollock have provided compassionate, personalized legal service. Put their experience to work for you. Go to championsofthepeople.com or call 303-795-5900. All right, here we go. Fasten your seatbelt. The Bell and Pollock Legal Show. We call it the Champions of the People Injury Show. Our website, championsofthepeople.com. For a reason, when you're injured, you need help. You need professional help. You need a team approach. Welcome to the Bell and Pollock family. Gary Bell, Brad Pollock. We formed our law firm in 1984 with a vision to help and aid injured victims and their families. When you're injured, it affects not only the injured victim, but also the entire family structure. Things can be drastically affected. Your life can be turned upside down. If you have a breadwinner and they're not working, that hurts. It's almost impossible sometimes to make it. Insurance companies count on delay. They count on deny. We call it the three D's at Bell & Pollock. Delay, deny, and defend. Delay, deny, and defend. It's no different in the area of premises liability. It's no different in the area of, of car accidents and motorcycle accidents and bicycle accidents and hit and runs. When you say a hit and run, the, the driver left, I don't know who they are. That's why your own insurance car, car insurance policy is so important. Because if the, insurance, if the driver left... You can go to your own car insurance policy and collect on your UM uninsured motorist coverage. Get our book. It's on our website, championsofthepeople.com. It's free. Colorado Car Insurance, the definitive guideline, everything you wanted to know. And if you have any questions, give us a call, 303-795-5900. We are injury attorneys. We have years and years of experience. When you come to see us, we give you a team approach. We have paralegals assigned to your case. We have an investigator in-house in our law firm. We understand you're going through a very miserable time. It's complicated. You know what? When you hire a professional and you've been injured, you can leave the details up to the professionals like Bell and Pollock, and you can concentrate on you and your treatment and getting better. 303-795-5900. That's 795-5900 championsofthepeople.com. Today we're talking about a subset of premises liabilities called attractive nuisance. So the rules change when you have a condition or an activity on your land that allures and attracts young youngsters. And you know, the Colorado Supreme Court has defined it to be under the age of 14. Brad, there's a presumption, a presumption that these people under the age of 14 are not competent 
A presumption that's rebuttable presumptions, so let's discuss that. But a presumption they're not competent to judge the dangers they're about to get into. Right. Uh, Under the age of 14, they consider that the children cannot comprehend the risk or the danger of the activity or the event or the condition of the property and because they can't comprehend it. Now, this presumption, uh, obviously, uh, uh, defense could try to rebut that presumption by saying, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, this child is extraordinarily bright or above or beyond its, its, uh, his or her years and in, in able to comprehend this stuff. Maybe they might want to depose or, or question the child as, did you understand the dangers? But basically, when you're dealing with children under the age of 14, um, the Supreme Court and the Colorado legislature, well, just our laws, have, have come out and stated that uh, you've got children under the age of 14 that it's presumed and a jury shall find, unless there's something to rebut that presumption, it's presumed the jury shall find that this child could not comprehend the risk or danger on the property. Therefore, at that point, you start throwing the classifications out and you start throwing a lot of the, a lot of the defenses out the defense might have because now it's just a matter of stating, did the landowner take reasonable measures to protect against the danger and the risk that was presented to the child? And, and you know, now we're going to have a lot of other elements that might be considered. But, the, you know, that element's going to be how readily accessible uh, was, the, was the condition of the property or the, the a particular event or item that was on the property. Uh, what was done to try and keep children away from it? Was it understood by the landowner that children could be doing this, could, would be coming to there? Are children uh, around the area? Yeah, you know, I, I, the best I can ever, ever advise a landowner would be just presume that the school bus is going to start letting the kids out right there at the corner where your activity is and presume that, that there's going to be children there unsupervised who are just going to be there and are going to be able to have access to that event. Right. So special rules apply to children and apply to attractive nuisances. That's what we're talking about today. Those are the legal words of art, attractive nuisance. It means an activity or condition on land that is unusual. It's different than a natural condition. So there's a natural river. uh, That doesn't apply. It has to be man-made. It has to be an artificial man-made structure, a condition or activity on the land that attracts youngsters, attracts young children. And they don't have the competence to appreciate all the dangers and they get injured. And so the landowner's duty is heightened. It's increased because of this situation. And this was the only part of the common law that was not abrogated and abolished by the statute that was enacted in Colorado uh, as a result to change the case of Mile High versus Radovich. So in English language and not lawyer talk, that means children uh, still have special protection under the law under this attractive nuisance doctrine. Let's refresh your, your memory a minute. Premises liability, when you're in a grocery store and you slip on a dangerous substance, uh, th- that's a premises liability case. When you fall and trip on a dangerous condition in the parking lot, right? So if, if merchandise falls from a rack overhead and hits you, that's a dangerous condition. All those, all those things can apply. And so the leading case, Brad, in, in Colorado, uh, you know, it was called the SW versus Towers Boat Club. Let's talk about that in a minute because that explains this doctrine. And it has a very interesting twist on the on the classification of the trespassers. So in that in that club, the Towers Boat Boat Club, people were invited onto the land. It was like a social gathering, and there was an inflatable bungee run. 
an inflatable bungee run that caught uh, there was a gust of wind it uh, the child was on the inflatable bungee run it got blown up in the air and carried a, a distance and then slammed to the ground and the ch- child had brain hemorrhaging traumatic brain injuries and other orthopedic injuries Right. So, so let's talk about that case. That was the start of it, and that was the class. Talk about the classification of trespassers and that that sort of argument. And and the argument that uh, went on at that in that case was okay. You have a child here, um, but the the defense was arguing that this uh, attractive nuisance doctrine should apply only to um, uh, children who are trespassers. Uh, that 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 was the intent of the attractive nuisance. Uh, uh, law, it was not to apply to persons who were already on the property with landowner's consent, and therefore uh, the persons who were on the land, the property with landowner's consent and were, in, in essence, invitees or licensees, uh, they lived under the same rules and regulations as would be applicable to an adult. And it was only if the child's a trespasser. Why were they saying that? They were saying because the attractive nuisance laws came about and the attractive nuisance theory came about when it was children who had crawled over a fence onto the and went into the swimming pool area. It was children who had um, gone around a barrier and gotten close to the pond that was put together, or children who went onto the land unknown to everybody and climbed inside the refrigerator that was closed and it couldn't be opened and suffocated the child. They were saying that that's what the attractive nuisance doctrine was meant to address. Those type of activities that children do that really can't be anticipated, but at the same time are the result of their um, the fact that they can't comprehend the danger. Uh, the trial court and the court of appeals both bought it. They agreed with the defense in that case. Right. And so, it, you know, it's a very complicated doctrine. You're going to need help to navigate your way through this, but you can win this war. It's winnable. But that's why we do the show, to have, give you the information. Open up your eyes, because the insurance companies have their own attorneys and doctors that attack these cases, just like your case, just like this case um, in the Towers Boat case. And so it, it, it was kind of an interesting argument. Think about this. The general law now is if you're on somebody's land and you're injured, it depends on your classification of you. Are you an invitee? Were you invited on there to do mutual business transactions? Are you a licensee, given uh, limited permission to be on there? Like the Rockies do, and the Broncos want, if you ever look at the tickets, they say you're a licensee. So it depends on your classification or were you a trespasser. That's the general rule. Now you got to flip it around for attractive nuisance because you got young kids. And the normal situation for the attractive nuisance for young children was that they were all trespassers. Nobody knew they were going to be there. They got allured and attracted to something on somebody's land, and it became an attractive nuisance. So the, in, that, in that Tower Boat case, they tried to argue that the, the, the law of, um, of attractive nuisance only applies to trespassers. Just a complete, complete contraindicated argument to uh, the logic of the situation. If you're on, in the Tower Boat case, if you're on somebody's property, you're invited, you're, you're at a party, right? So you're invited. So you're not trespassing, right? You're invited. You're supposed to be there. You're there with a consent. And so, Brad, uh, let's let's break this down just a little bit further. Right. Uh, what they were saying is, in essence, the 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 lower court and the appellate court and the defense were saying that uh, children who were trespassers should be given more protection than children who came onto the property um, as an invitee or as a licensee, and if they and, the, and therefore the. Um, and, and that was because they were saying that the attractive nuisance has to be one that attracts you onto the property and to the nuisance without the consent of the landowner. 
Um, when you stop to think about it, you start saying, well, you understand why the Supreme Court uh, held that the, the question wasn't with regard to the status of the child. It was with regard to what the nuisance was or what the attraction was that brought the child onto the property or brought the child to that particular um, event or that particular part of the property or that particular item that was on the property. Uh, said it, so so the, the Supreme Court wanted people to focus not on the classification but on the attraction itself or the allurement itself and uh, whether or not it was something that would cause a child to be there to get involved in the event and not be able to comprehend the risk that was was there. Right, Brad just said a mouthful because the the focus always is on the classification of the person on the land. Are you an invitee, a trespasser, or a licensee? But under the attractive nuisance law, the focus is on the dangerous activity or condition that allures the child to the property. Next up, Bell and Pollock. We're going to give you our top eight or nine uh, list of attractive nuisances and how you deal with them. Gary Bell, Brad Pollock, Champions of the People. We'll be right back. Honey, the kids are going nuts. Everybody's stir-crazy. and My patience is running thin. It's almost lunchtime. Why don't we go to Caitlin's? Their food is amazing, and they have those awesome baskets filled with fun to keep the kids pacified and entertained. Mm, that sounds perfect. What is it you like to get there again? Ooh, for starters, I love their green chili and chicken nachos. Then, I usually get most queso with the ground chuck patty, cheddar, and jack cheese. Diced onions, tomatoes, and green chilies between two warm flour tortillas. Served at the side of green or red chili. Yum! What about you? Well, I'm famished, so I think I'll get one of their 13 sandwiches. Hmm, maybe I'll get one of each. And I, and I love the way you can get their sandwiches made into wraps instead. Maybe one of their bacon green chili cheeseburgers or their salads. Or, Honey, rain it in. Kids, we're going to Caitlin's. Caitlin's Restaurant at the corner of Mississippi and South Birch Street, just east of Colorado Boulevard in Glendale. Open Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. and Saturday and Sunday, 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. Caitlin's Restaurant. You'll love it every bite of the way. We're back with Champions of the People, the Bell and Pollock Injury Show. For over three decades, the personal injury attorneys at Bell and Pollock have provided compassionate, personalized legal service. Put their experience to work for you. Go to championsofthepeople.com or call 303-795-5900. Good morning. Welcome back. The Bell and Pollock Legal Show is the Champions of the People Injury Show. Our website, championsofthepeople.com. All of our information there, it's an information-loaded website. All of our books are there. Our podcasts are there. And if you go to our homepage at championsofthepeople.com, there's a button. There's two buttons there. One button is you can hit and listen to our show, our whole show on what you need to know before you talk to the insurance adjuster for the first time after a car accident. Wow. That would be important because they've got their script ready for you. They've got their game plan ready for you. They know their strategies. They've been trained. But usually you have not been. And usually it's a very emotional moment. You're, you're still emotionally wrought and emotionally tied up in this accident. Your injuries. Maybe you went to the emergency room. Uh, maybe you hit your head. Maybe you had LOC, loss of consciousness. Wow. And you're going to talk to the insurance adjuster. You need to listen to that show. It's on our homepage at championsofthepeople.com. Also, if you don't have time to listen to that show and you still want to know, there's another button on our homepage that gives you a checklist. You can download it, print it. A checklist of what you need to know is the basics. It doesn't cover everything before you talk to the insurance adjuster for the first time. 
All that is for you. We made a lot of improvements to our website. We've redesigned it. We made it uh, mobile, more mobile phone friendly. You can call us. You can access our website. Today we're talking about the doctrine of attractive nuisance, which is a subset or subcategory of the doctrine of premises liability, which means if you're in somebody else's land and you're injured, can you recover? Depends. Can you recover for your damages, injuries, and losses? Depends. And so now we're talking about uh, attracting children onto land by an attractive nuisance, which is a dangerous activity or condition on the land that is especially alluring to children. And the presumption is if you're under 14 years of old in Colorado, that's the common law, that you're not competent to appreciate all the dangers that can be rebutted, that you're not competent to appreciate all the dangers. So now we're going to talk about our our top uh, eight or nine on our list of uh, most famous, most common attractive nuisances. And so, uh, Brad, let's start with that. Well, and and we've talked about them a little bit as we've gone through this show, uh, because we've got to remember that we're talking about activities or conditions that are unusually attractive to children. And I I like to think about it as you've got two sets. You've got one where the children have been brought onto the property and you have activities or attractions that are unreasonably attractive to children, and we'll draw them to them. And then you've got ones that just exist, and you've got to figure out when uh, mom and dad look at their 8- or 9- or 10-year-old and, and say, go outside and play. And go outside and play with your friends, and the friends are going to go play, and they're going to play in the neighborhood. They're going to play in the in a, a vicinity because at 10, 11, 12, they're at a place where they're going to move outside the backyard necessarily, and they're going to move to other areas. Uh, within the neighborhood, um, but at the same time, uh, they're they're within the classification that provides a attractive nuisance. So when you start going through it, um, you and and you start dealing first of all with just go outside and play. Uh, you, you start thinking of the the top eight or nine or ten nuisances, attractive nuisances that'll be there, and we talked about one. One can very well be uh, the person who has put. Uh, or who has a, a car they're restoring or they're rebuilding or has an abandoned car on their property that's maybe two doors down, three doors down, uh, it, it, across the across the alley or across the street or a block down where the kids still might roam that's across that open space behind you where the kids get across the open space and there it is. And they're in a, uh, in, in, and next thing you know, they're, they're looking at an abandoned car. Uh, this abandoned car has, of course, a trunk, the kids climb into the trunk, the trunk gets closed, they can't open up the trunk, the kids are all of a sudden stuck in the trunk, and next thing you know, you have some very injured children who have been deprived of oxygen and, and couldn't be found anyway because nobody would have dreamed they were there. Uh, there's one of, believe it or not, and it's just not our top 10. It's it's the top 10 that, you know, this, this is very well recognized. I mean, if you start sitting down on the Internet and start asking for the top 10 attractive nuisances, this is one you're going to see. Right. There are, there are other ones, but understand the law imposes a duty on the landowner. I mean, you can have vacant lots. Young children are attracted to vacant lots if there's a dangerous condition. What if there's a, 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 a dangerous hole? What if there's a mine shaft? Uh, what if there's uh, something on the land that's going to injure somebody that attracts them? We, we use the example of Halloween, but let's use another one of our favorite examples is a construction site. You know, and contractors... Have a, have a devilish time trying to protect themselves against the attractive nuisance doctrine because it is attractive. Children love construction. They love to see. 
to understand, to peer through, experience, climb on, climb around. They don't appreciate all the, all the uh, inherent dangers. And we're talking about children under 14 years old because there's a rebuttable presumption they're not competent. And what the law means by rebuttable presumption is you can get rid of the presumption, but you have to have competent evidence and proof. And the younger the child, the harder it is to do. So a construction site is, is, is one on the list for sure. It attracts children, uh, people, and children like to know how to build. So, so that's why you sometimes see security and that sort of thing. Right. Yeah, let's talk about um, uh, when, when you're talking about people have abandoned uh, refrigerators that are sitting outside their, their house, and they, they put them on the back porch or the back patio, or the, they put them on the front porch waiting for when they're going to have it picked up and removed from their property, or they're going to sell it, or they're going to get rid of it, or, or they've got some other plan with it, and they leave that abandoned freezer that is there. Um, you know, how many times have we seen where children all of a sudden get themselves involved in uh, climbing in that thing, closing the lid, uh, and not realizing that they're going to be deprived once again of oxygen. The next thing you know, they're going to be left in a situation where they can't or they don't open that refrigerator or that freezer back open. Uh, that's the responsibility of the landowner. That's the responsibility of the person who put that particular item out there. It's not the responsibility of the 10, 8, 8, 9, 10-year-old who climbed in it thinking they were going to be playing a game and then passes out and you can't find them and worse things happen is they continue to sleep or be passed out inside the, uh, the, the particular refrigerator or freezer. Well, sometimes it kills them. It's, it's just tragic. It's just absolutely tragic. And so uh, to put it in another perspective, so the law of premises liability being injured on somebody's land was made harder to recover by the legislature when they changed the case of Mile High versus Radovich, and they passed the statute based on your classifications of invitee, licensee, or trespasser. It was harder to recover. But don't, don't think you can't do it. You can do it. We do it all the time. You can win this war. But to win the war, you have to know what you're doing. You have to have a legal game plan. You can call us anytime at 303 795 Five nine zero zero seven nine five fifty nine hundred, or you can get on our website championsofthepeople.com and contact us. You can give us an inquiry; we'll respond. Today we're talking about the doctrine of attracting nuisance. So, uh, when they made it harder—not impossible, don't think that—harder for people to recover when they're injured on somebody else's land, like a shopping mall, like a grocery store, like a big box store. They made it easier and kept the rules for injuries to children, and rightfully so. We're talking about attractive um, nuisance. Brad, let's talk about these high-voltage areas. You always see this. It looks like they have, uh, I mean, it's, it's like a prison fence with barbed wire and barbed wire at the top and all kinds of warning signs and stay out. And uh, there have been cases where kids have got in there. Right. Because, once again, we talk about the elements necessary to prove an attractive nuisance claim. And one of the elements that we have to prove on attractive nuisance is the defendant failed to exercise reasonable care to protect persons like the plaintiff from injury. What's the reasonable care that was exercised to protect the plaintiff from from injury? And, you know, when you start talking about it, you're saying these high-voltage areas, these are natural attractions to children. They've got all sorts of things to climb on. They look like high-wire uh, uh, playground equipment. And, and one of the top ten is playground equipment, the playground equipment that's put out there for kids to be able to play on or that that that, that – might be in a house or might be in the backyard or might be in a field where a person lives. And these things look just like playground equipment, except they have specific dangers uh, that are associated with the high voltage. 
And okay, now what's been done? It's like I said, Gary, you see these fences around him. You need the barber against him. You, you want to make sure because children climb fences. They climb fences. The next question you have is how often is the area uh, really inspected? How often are, are those those fences uh, inspected and the gates inspected to make sure they're kept locked, they're kept in a way that people can't just open them up to make sure there's not somewhere the children can climb in through, can 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 go underneath a the fence or can go through a hole in the fence because what's that do children like to get in there and make it their own special little place their own special little little fort or their own special little playhouse their own special getaway area and they're they're edging themselves right up against high wire voltage and um, and and dangerous conditions they're putting themselves in a place where they might be climbing on the very dangers that are there that can electrocute them that can cause them to fall that can cause them to have injuries that can cause them undue um, injury that's that's going to result in uh, a lifetime of of injury and a need for care. While at the same time, what what's going on with the parents having to take care of the child? And it's all because somebody didn't check the fence. Somebody didn't do regular inspections. So when somebody says, "Well, your child was on my property," uh, or the commercial landlord says the child was on the property, or at the gas station, filling station, the shopping mall, they were lured. Uh, what about things in the middle of the shopping mall that lured you? Climbing mountains. So uh, these, these fabricated mountains, they always say stay, stay off. There's a warning. Well, hopefully, the fa- hopefully there's a warning. The fountain's in the middle of the mall. Right. And there's fountains in the middle of the mall. Exactly. So you need, you need to understand that when you're an adult and you're on somebody else's land, you can recover for your damages, injuries, and losses, but the law focuses on you. What's your classification? Invitee, licensee, or trespasser? When a child is injured, the focus is not on the child's status, like invitee, licensee, or trespasser. The focus is on the condition, the activity that allured them and attracted them to the property. You can recover. Bell and Pollock, 303-795-5900. Our website, championsofthepeople.com. Put our over 30 years of experience to work for you. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Gary Bell with the law firm of Bell & Pollock. We are injury attorneys. This is your legal minute. We're talking about legal game plans today. What difference does it make? Listen, you've been injured in a car crash. It's not an ordinary day or event for you, but it is for the insurance company. You need a legal game plan as to how the accident happened. What was the mechanism of injury? How did you get hurt? What body parts are hurt? Maybe it's a cervical part of your neck. Maybe it's a lumbar part of your spine and the low back. You need a legal game plan for the accident. You need a legal game plan for your damages, injuries, and losses and how to prove them to the insurance company for the at-fault party. If you don't, you're guessing. You wouldn't guess at a recipe. You wouldn't guess at a blueprint. You wouldn't guess at directions. You need a legal game plan. Bell and Pollock will give you one. Championsofthepeople.com. Bell and Pollock. Find them online at championsofthepeople.com. It's Mandy Connell, and it's time for your Legal Minute. Brought to you by my friends at Bell and Pollock. Listen to their show right here on KOA every Saturday at 10 a.m. Hi, I'm Gary Bell with the law firm of Bell and Pollock. This is your Legal Minute. You know we're injury attorneys. We're here to help you, to teach you, to educate you. You're injured in a car crash. You're going to talk to the insurance adjuster for the very first time. 
Maybe the second time. They're going to say, well, we're going to send you out a few forms. You fill them out and send them back to us. Should you do that? No. Part of those forms are releases. You're releasing your medical records to the insurance company, and probably they're going to be able to republish them to any place they want to. Do you want that? Do you want your medical records going to an insurance database, a central insurance database, where hundreds of insurance companies can access your records because you signed their few forms? I don't think so. You're not going to sign their questionnaire. You're not going to sign their few forms. You're going to call Bell and Pollock. Championsofthepeople.com. We're there to help you. Bell and Pollock. Find them online at championsofthepeople.com. We're back with Champions of the People, the Bell and Pollock Injury Show. For over three decades, the personal injury attorneys at Bell and Pollock have provided compassionate, personalized legal service. Put their experience to work for you. Go to championsofthepeople.com or call 303-795-5900. All right, here we go. Gary Bell, Brad Pollock. Our law firm is Bell and Pollock. We formed our law firm in 1984 with a vision to help injured victims and their families, and that's what we've done uh, for all those years. We've helped individuals put their lives back together again. You know, the road to recovery can be tough. You try to recover. Uh, you, you know, most people don't have a lot of money in savings, and here you are taken out of your game plan. Here you are taken out of work. Has affected you and your whole family? Is there a solution? Yes. Are there solutions, plural? Yes. Can you win this war? Yes. But you have to know what you're doing. You must have a legal game plan. You know, Brad and I wrote a book called Legal Game Plan. It's on our website, championsofthepeople.com. We felt this concept was so important. We put our over 30 years of experience into this book, and we just scratched the surface, obviously, in the book. But you can come see us anytime for a free initial consultation and free legal game plan. You know, what are your damages, injuries, and losses when you've been injured on somebody's land versus when you've been injured in a car accident or hit on your bicycle or affected that way? What are your damages, injuries, and losses, and how much are they worth, right, when you've been injured in a a hit and run, a car accident, a motorcycle accident? We handle all those cases, and we have for years. We can help you. Today, we're talking about premises liability and the subcategory of attractive nuisance, injuries to children. Injuries to children are devastating. They're horrible. Sometimes there's death involved. It's unimaginable. So the duties of the landlords are increased under this area of the law. So let's talk about a daycare situation. Is it a daycare property? Sure. Just like going to the grocery store, it's another another person's property. Who has the duties? The landowner. There's a long definition and, and, and machination of very navigable mazes on how you determine who the landowner is. You need help, legal help. We can give it to you. But the daycare situation, Brad, they're at daycare. They build a mountain inside the daycare for children to climb on it's close to the ceiling the children climb on the on the mountain they get to the top of the mountain and hey guess what there's the ceiling tile right there and guess what you can push right through the ceiling tile and nobody's looking so i i the child i'm just going to get up in the ceiling that looks like pretty a lot of fun and it's kind of dark and we'll just crawl around well we talked about this some last week too you know uh daycares uh, the, the the way entities and people try to get around the, the, the attractive nuisance quite often is through the release and the waiver language on the contract that you sign for your child to be able to attend the particular event or pre- attend the, the game or be involved in the, the activity or to come to the particular location. And, of course, these are there very much so in the daycare situation, too, where you have waivers and releases. 
And that's probably a whole nother show or at least a half a show to talk about releases and how they work and how they don't work and what you've really released and what you haven't and and what kind of duty that uh, relieves the the person providing the daycare from having to, to to meet and and you know when I talk about that I'm not just talking about the daycare in that situation I'm talking about uh, what what kind of do they have to do to relieve it or maybe they just have you sign something that says we can be negligent and you waive our negligence and you can't recover even if we're negligent. So, you know, you've always got to be able to look at these releases and that kind of got me off the side, but it's part of the daycare thing because quite often you're signing stuff in the daycare when your child is getting in the daycare, you're signing documents that may waive or release some of your rights. It's important to look at that and it's important to look at the daycare. Now, the problem is, is that as adults, we can't anywhere near get inside the minds of our children. And we can't anywhere near get inside the minds of a 10-year-old or 11-year-old or 12-year-old or a 7- or 8-year-old, a 5-year-old. You just can't get inside their mind. So you put this nice play structure in, and this is an actual case. You put your nice play structure in into the classroom. It's a play structure where it's a playroom. So you expect the children to get in there and play. Uh, It's high enough up so that a tall 5- or 6-year-old is going to be able to reach to the to the to the grid that's above them, uh, where they climb to the toppest of the mountain, so they can slide down or jump into the ball pits. It's high enough up so they can also reach up and they can grab hold of the the grid. That's the ceiling grid. The ceiling grid above them, and they can push the tiles out just like anybody else. They can push those tiles out and they can climb inside there. And once they climb inside there, children don't understand that those ceiling tiles may not hold them. And and next thing you know, what they do is they climb along the grid, they climb around the ceiling tiles. And if you look at most offices, look at most commercial buildings, once you get inside that ceiling grid, you can climb from one room to another. So next thing you know, the child climbs along and just by pure luck or bad luck, whichever one you want to have it, the child was able to make it all the way into another room and then finally, one of the tiles getting out, and the child falls the 10, 12 feet from the ceiling onto the floor, crashing down, hitting his head, and causing a severe brain injury. It happens all the time, and so these are dangerous conditions. And Brad just got off on releases, so, you know, when you're in a car accident, there's no release. You didn't give a release to the other driver. Sometimes in these commercial situations, there's a release that you signed. And you say, well, that's not fair. Uh, and what if you went to an amusement park and you bought a ticket and on the back of it says uh, you've, you've agreed to this release and you just got the ticket five minutes ago and you never had a chance to read the release language. And, we, and Brad, as Brad said, we could do a whole show on releases, but releases do apply to some sub-part sub of attractive nuisance because sometimes, like in a daycare center, you might have to sign a release in advance. Sometimes there's no release because the child just trespasses on the other piece of property. But you have to anticipate it as a landowner. If you're a grocery store... Don't you think you have to anticipate children? Don't you think you have to anticipate uh, substances, liquids, dangerous liquids on the floor? Sure. If you ever get into discovery in these cases in some of these commercial stores, uh, they have procedures. They deny. They say there's no procedures. They say it's no big deal. But when you get into discovery and ask for the procedures and uh, and you find out that they're very alarmed and very worried about falling merchandise, they're very worried about dangerous conditions on the floor. So children can be in shopping malls as well. Children can be playing on play things in the in the middle of the shopping mall, in fountains. 
right? And so are there videos? And you, so you don't necessarily sign a release when you walk through the doors of a shopping mall. That doesn't happen, but you can still you can still recover. So daycare is a big one, but you always have to look at the release situation. And we could do we could talk all day on releases. This show is not about releases. We might do a show on releases, but uh, we could talk all day. We're talking about the attractive nuisance. So if you're under 14 years old, there's a rebuttable presumption you're not competent to uh, competent to appreciate all the dangers. Uh, so, Brad, let's, let's talk about that, because uh, how does a landowner then try to get around this by warning people, blaming people, you shouldn't have been there, et cetera? Well, it, there's a lot of things, because remember, it can be as simple as if you have a pool or a spa in your own backyard, uh, especially a spa, if you have a pool spa that you don't that you don't safeguard, you leave and uh, the 13-year-old next door, 12-year-old next door comes and gets in your spa and stays in there too long is significantly hurt, or it's too hot and is burned, or or gets into the spa and drowns, or get into the pool. The the seven year old climbs in and gets into the pool and drowns. And you know what do landowners do? And you know this all all started with Halloween. And the first thing is you've got to, you've got to protect against the dangers. You've got to watch against the dangers. You've got to try to put yourself in the mind of the people who may be coming onto your property. Uh, and if they're coming onto your property, you've got to understand that there there's certain things that have to be done. And what are the reasonable measures that you're taking to make sure that you're protecting people who don't apprehend the danger? Not, oh, they would understand that. They know better than to stay in there too long or to get fall in the pool and stuff. They've got to, you've got to figure out people who would not understand that danger. And you, then that, that person has to start using certain protective measures. Now, there are certain standards with respect to some areas. A public pool's got standards fence heights and, and how you, you, you protect the property and how you, you monitor the property. Homes don't necessarily have that standard. Amusement parks have certain standards. We go to those first, but we also see if those standards even make sense and if they're being enforced. Right. You can call us anytime at 303-795-5900. That's 795-5900. Gary Bell, Brad Pollock. We have offices in Denver and Steamboat Springs. We've done cases all over the state of Colorado, all four corners and in between. We have over 30 years of experience. What about on this attractive nuisance? Brad, let's just talk a second about skateboard parks and skateboard ramps uh, and, and, and kids using skateboards, uh, handrails on stairs, and they weren't even designed for that. And let's talk about that. Right. And, and that's another one. that You've got to look and see if you've got a nuisance there. The, the skateboard parks and skateboard ramps, uh, are are once again who developed them and who put the standards and and the design of that skateboard park and skateboard ramp such that it doesn't create an unreasonable risk but how do you protect against somebody just falling off of it and this is again maybe how how you protect against who can get to the park and wh- who gets to use it and monitoring in the and and watching the park to make sure the people the wrong age aren't out there uh, playing on the on the ramp. You know, what about a sign that says if you're under 12, you can't use this. If you're under 14, you can't use this. And what if they are and they do it anyway? Can an eight, will a six-year-old read it? Can an eight, will an eight-year-old read it? Will they even understand the danger and why they can't use it? Right. If, you're, if, you, if you've been injured, any member of your family has been injured, you can call us anytime at 303-795-5900. We would welcome you to the family of Bell and Pollock. We would welcome you to our team approach to pursue your injury claim. 303-795-5900. And if you come see us, you get a free initial consultation and a free legal game plan. 
strategies. You understand what you need to do. You understand what the other side can cannot do. You understand and know the parameters. That's something you want to know. You probably want to know that. You probably want to know what their game plan is so you can beat it and defeat it. This happened to you. So many times people ask us in car accidents, well, what, what happened to the person who hit us? They're on down the road having a merry time. We're not. We're dealing with an insur- insurance adjuster. Bell and Pollock, Champions of the People. Our website, championsofthepeople.com, for a reason. It's you. We champion people's causes and injury claims. We'll see you next week.